everybody. Welcome back. This is Two Dope Brothers in a Podcast, Episode 2. It's good to have all our listeners back again. I think we are up to 24 listens as my last check. So uh, how'd you feel about the first episode, Chris? Oh, I thought it was fun. Let's do it again. Let's uh, let's get it going. All right, let's do it. Let's jump straight into the hot topic on, I think, both of our minds and, you know, really something we need to get off our chest. Let's talk about Nebraska football. Had their first game one week delayed uh, against uh, Colorado. So uh, I'll let you open this one up, Chris. So what's on your mind, man? I hate CU. I hate CU. Uh, I hated losing to a man. It, uh, to me, it's like the biggest rivalry that Nebraska ever had. That was like because I lived in Colorado, grew up listening to all, the, like, all eight of the Colorado fans in Colorado talk, you know, <laughs> mad shit to me all the time. So I hate when we lose to them, but I, it was a different feeling after this loss. Maybe it's the, like the Scott Frost optimism Kool-Aid. I don't know what it is, but it just felt different. They looked different. They they had a swag about them. They were uh, they were japping a little bit. They were they were they were just they look cocky. Like I like that confidence. I like the swag about them. I don't. The offense looked kind of fun. The defense had seven sacks. I I enjoyed it, man. What'd you think? No, it's good, man. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway, um, something that had been missing from Nebraska for a long time, and that was defense. Um. Kind of nice to see that there was, you know, some smash mouth defense. There were some nice, you know, three outs uh, going down. Black shirts were in full effect. You saw some pride. Um, I really liked what I saw in, uh, I mean, this 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 quarterback kid. Um, one hell of a quarterback uh, for his first showing on the national stage. Um, definitely thought he's got some raw potential. Obviously, some rookie mistakes, but definitely a lot of potential for this guy to. Um, kind of really step it up um, through the course of the season and, of course, you know, take his game to the next level in years to come. But um, definitely, you know, a lot of upside. I, I think, you know, even though it's a tough loss, um, you know, I think Scott Frost said it best, they beat themselves. You know, you don't turn the ball over twice in the first half. You, you know, that's a different game. Yeah, that was tough. Those were uh, – those fumbles are costly, but, you know, some of that – uh, give me a little bit of flashback back to the last couple of years, that slow start that let's put ourselves in a 14 or 21 point or 17 point, you know, uh, t- or like a hole before we get playing. That was, uh, I liked the way they fought back, but I was a little nervous about that at the beginning, seeing them kind of fall coming out the gate again. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was definitely uh, disheartening um, knowing that we didn't have Tommy Armstrong to kind of sling us out of that one. <laughs> you invoked the name Tommy Armstrong. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Stop it, good sir. Oh, I will not, sir. I will yeah. not. But uh, yeah, no, it was nice to see that, you know, even the whole time, you know, Scott was cool, calm, collected, you know, really kind of went back to the game planning, made the tweaks at halftime. Um, you know, I think, I think he's got those kids ready to play some good football. Obviously, some, uh, you know, big tests coming up with Michigan in, in about two weeks. Um, so that that's really going to be where rubber meets the road for these guys is how they stack up against the rest of the Big Ten. Um, and we know we're not going to win all those games. Uh, we'd love to. I think we're still going to be undefeated um, for the remainder of the season with one loss. Um, but <laughs> wait, wait. We're going to go undefeated with one loss? You mean we're not going to lose another game throughout the rest of the year? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, something similar to that. Yeah. Okay. Under, right. Undefeated with the rest of the schedule. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Yeah, so we'll, I, I think we'll see. Um, again, uh, hoping, uh, you know, the next big thing we've got to talk about, Martinez's injury. Um, so if you haven't seen it by now, there's a ton of video out there on the internet that uh, shows the injury um, in which uh, Adrian Martinez goes down. And it, it seems to be a little fishy because it looks as though a, a Colorado State or Colorado player lays on his leg and then appears to maneuver himself or twist uh, Adrian's leg. And so. Uh, did your, did, hey, did your lawyer write that for you? Yeah. Because, because you had, <laughs> he, he, there was a late hit on Martinez that was clear. Oh boy, got on top of him and put him in uh, like a knee bar that we would see in the UFC and, and, and yanked it around pretty good. Let's, let's just call it what it was, man. <laughs> we don't have to be too nice to him. Uh, it was number 44. Um, he, I saw that he had automatically the next day made his Twitter page or his Instagram, uh, one of them private all of a sudden so no one could reach out and let him know what we thought of him. So that was funny to me. Yeah, that uh, a little suspicious there. But um, the good news is, is it's not a bad injury. I, if it would have been something bad, you know, it could have been way worse, right? So. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you, you hate to see dirty play like that. The game is vicious there enough you as go. it is. There you go. Now you called a spade a spade. <laughs> it was a dirty play. It was a bullshit play. And you know, and again, you know. You know when you're on a guy the wrong way. You know when he's he's in a position and, and you just get off again. Um, you know, it just seems a little suspicious, but, you know, we'll let the Big Ten and Pac-12 sort that out um, if they find anything to come out of it. But, hey, you know, when when you're great, they hate. So, uh, Yes, when we will be great someday. <laughs> restore, <laughs> restore the 90s. Yeah. Hashtag. Hey, should we should, should we talk about the first place Colorado Rockies? Yeah, let's uh, let's jump should into some talk? baseball talk. I think should we? I think, should I, think we? That, I think it was a little. I think we were missing that in the first episode. Well, you had mentioned greatness, and I was like, man, what a perfect opportunity to talk about greatness. And we turn around, look at Kyle Freeland and the you know Colorado Rockies. You know, right, take your take your five minutes, Chris. Nobody, you know. No, no. I mean, listen, listen. You know, this is an exciting team. They've got good young talent. They hit the ball far. They pitch well, mostly. They, uh, <laughs> it's a good team, man. How long's it been yeah, first since uh, the Rockies have been in the postseason, Chris? Well, they were in the postseason last year, Daryl. So thank you for asking. Thank you. Oh, okay. We'll just, they well, they made it into the one game playoff. They didn't make it very far, but they <laughs> they made it. All right. Well, I just wanted you to get your five minutes to spew it out, and then that's just, it. That's it. Just remind you. Say. Just remind you the uh, World Series <laughs> 2016 champions, <laughs> Chicago Cubs, still sitting in first place in their division, and. Well on their way to the playoffs, so maybe you never know. We get a Colorado Chicago matchup, and yeah, maybe the Cubs would get unlucky and have to come to Denver and get whooped. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. Okay. I don't think so. All right, well, we'll see how it goes. We have the best uh, third baseman in the game, so maybe the Cubs can learn something from that. Seeing the best third baseman in the game up close, personal. Oh, okay. Sure. You <laughs> I got ridiculous. <laughs> you you are absolutely 110% ridiculous considering your your Colorado Rockies have not won jack. So. I was I was laying the bait out there see if you take it. No, no. I'm I'm, I'm trying we, we have a bunch of new listeners. They don't understand just yet. We'll we'll yeah. develop to that. All right. Hey, did uh, did you have a chance to listen to Wheeler Walker Jr. last week? 
Yeah, were you able yeah. To, actually, were you able to check I, him out. I was actually able to check him out, and it was uh, yeah. it, it was good stuff, man. It kind of reminded me. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the band Steel Panther. <laughs> yeah, those guys are cool, man. I like Steel Panther a lot too. Yeah, so it kind of reminded me of that, and I was, you know, I had to keep my headphones in, couldn't play that around the house. Um, but yeah. it was good. It was good stuff, man. I liked it. Thank you for the recommendation. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for the recommendation. But now let's let's get off our baseball talk because that that didn't go so so hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going back to the Big Ten, um, some uh, key losses uh, last week. Michigan State goes down uh, to ASU and gets uh, gets handed a loss from Herm Edwards and crew. Yeah, I woke up or I went to bed with Arizona State leading, and then when I woke up, I'd seen that uh, that Michigan State had indeed lost, and I was pretty sad about it. So, I was like, to see the I like to see the Big Ten do well, don't you? I mean, conference strength and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I, I love to see the conference strength, um, but it's just really kind of hard now because we've got Michigan and Michigan State both with one loss. Uh, that's only really leaving Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Uh, with kind of the fate of the Big Ten on their shoulders. Um, again, I don't know OSU goes undefeated. Uh, Penn State is suspect, and, you know, they're going to have to play Ohio State. And then Wisconsin, dice roll, you know. There's really not a strong contender. So, you know, if if, if it's a one-loss or even a, you know, God-fearing worse situation, we have a two-loss um Big Ten champ, I think we're out of the we're out of the playoff picture, and uh, I really hope, God, I really hope one of these three teams can get us get just have some representation. It would be nice to have representation, but you know, hey, Nebraska's not out of it yet. I think if they went out, you make a case for them. But well, yeah. an interesting interesting comment from Scott Frost today talking about uh, not wanting to schedule that game on December first because they fully expect to be in the Big Ten championship game. I thought that was interesting. Little seed he planted today. Did you <laughs> I, see that? Yeah, I did see that. I, and I love his optimism. I love his optimism because, you know, you got to have that swag as a coach. You know, if you go in saying, hey, look, it's my first season. Uh, you know, I just want to go out there and win some games. Well, you know, that's what that's what – that atmosphere is in the locker room. If you go in there and say, hell, yeah, we're playing for the Big Ten championship, fuck that. Yeah, then I like, I like it. I like the cockiness. It inspires the team. Now, if you fall short – He's Nebraska's favorite son, so he can do no mm-hmm. wrong. Yep, we'll see how long that lasts for. <laughs> Three seasons. <laughs> oh, my, my God. My God. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how the Big Ten fares the rest of the way. Obviously, we got a, some uh, key uh, conference matchups there, so. We'll see uh, how that shakes out. But, yeah, definitely worst-case scenario, I think, for Big Ten as a two-loss. Uh, Big Ten champion will definitely put our playoff hopes uh, in a very slim light. So uh, let's jump into this one here. I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Chris. What do you think about this uh, controversy with uh, Serena Williams, U.S. Open, and the chair umpire? We were just talking about this, my wife and I. Um, you know, I didn't see it live. I I was out doing something else, but I came back and kind of read about it and saw about it. And I just feel like 
I don't know why we're scared of her. Like, I don't know. I don't know why people are having such a problem with her standing up for herself and, and saying, you know, this is bullshit basically, you know, like I, I encourage people to be like that. That's how people should be. We have too many people in this world that are, you know, get swept under the rug or don't call things the way they see them or aren't honest with themselves. And I think she's out there saying, no, this is bullshit. I'm sticking up for myself. Uh, I don't understand why we fear her like that. Um, my wife was like, if it was a man that would have done it, nobody would have said anything. And I kind of think, I think she's onto something with that. Like you see umpires, you see other, you know, NBA guys, you see, uh, you see guys freak out at refs and umps all the time. And that's like a natural part of the game. It's like accepted the way it goes. You know, they even do it on sports and they'll laugh when, you know, one of those silly like baseball managers is, you know, throwing seeds or throwing a base or something, you know, like it, it's like a silly thing. But if Serena does it, like powerful black woman, like, oh, she's she's in the wrong. She's, you know, acting like an asshole. I don't get it. Right. And then mm-hmm. I think it's kind of sad that uh, what's her name? Okami, Naomi Okami, Osaka, Osaka. Sorry, I'm, I'm I don't pay much attention to tennis, but to have her moment like robbed from her and have all that attention on Serena, it kind of it's kind of sucks. Right. Yeah, no, completely agree with you. You know, I, it's kind of funny because I was just checking out this list. Uh, ESPN, uh, I think it was on their Get Up Morning Show. They did a list, um, and they ranked the most dominant athletes in sports. And, um, you know, this, the list came out. They they ranked their dominant athletes, and, of course, you had uh, guys on there like Mike Trout, you had people on there like LeBron James, um, you know, kind of the, the obvious um, folks who we would expect to be on that list. But what shocked me was um, I, I couldn't even remember whose list it was, but somebody had Serena listed as the number three most dominant athlete um, in the world. Like and current athlete or current, okay. current athlete, current athlete. Um, and it was just kind of uh, confusing because, you know, I now see, I love Stephen A. Smith. I know a lot of people hate him, but I love Stephen A. Smith because, you know, he tells it like it is. He's in your face, and I like that about him. And so Stephen A. Smith said, you know, it's preposterous that Serena is not the most dominant athlete in the world. For the better part of 20 years, she has dominated tennis like nobody else that we've seen, her and her sister. And the fact of the matter is, if she was a man – we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Nobody's been as good for as long as she has. You know, she started in 1998 winning majors. And, you know, that's a 20-year span at this point. You got to put some respect on her name. You just have to. You got to put some respect on that woman's name. Respect with a K? Yeah, and you got to do okay. like that. You got to do the two clap like that. Put some respect, <laughs> on, put some respect on my name. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying. But I, I think it's totally, you know, ludicrous because <laughs> you do see a lot worse behavior on the men's side of sports, you know, baseball, basketball, football, and you don't see anywhere near the kind of response that you saw with Serena. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, the biggest thing when you're a referee or an umpire, you never want to have your calls decide the game. Never. I mean, you should. It should really be a test of two great athletes, two great teams, whatever the case is. Really, just going at it and finding out who's the best. But when you're giving away points and games in a situation where 
maybe you just say something to the person, but you don't let your call decide the whole thing. And, you know, I, I think Osaka was on her way to victory, but I think this really kind of just took Serena all the way out of the game. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I just, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that's something that needs to even be discussed. I, I don't know. It's, and I think it's funny now. I saw something today too about a lot of the, um, are they officials? Are they referees? What are they? Referees that they were going to, um, like a lot of them were going to sit out and protest. Like, okay, no one comes to watch you anyway, bro. Go sit down. We'll, we'll figure it out. Right. Like you're going to boycott. You know, come on. She's the moneymaker. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you find it in, uh, you know, all major levels of sports, it's ultra competitive. You want to make the right call. And, you know, there, there's a lot of power given to, a chair umpire in tennis, um, you know, as I kind of saw what these calls were, I didn't even know they could make those calls. I mean, how many times have you watched a sports center highlight where a guy smashes a racket on the ground, you know, quite and, a bit, you know, I don't know. Again, personally, I've not watched a whole lot of tennis, so I don't know if they get those warnings or they get those penalty deductions, but I mean, the critical point in this match, you don't make a call like that. You just don't, it's not a call that you can, make I, I don't know I just think I, I think there's definitely you know this and I've seen some stories come out about some issues that you know uh, current and past tennis players have had with this uh, particular judge or, or line rap whatever the heck he is and it seems like he's made a habit of this on the men's and women's side um, so you know hopefully the tennis governing body will you know think about how this situation goes moving forward but Again, you know, I think, uh, in my opinion, it's complete bullshit. Yeah, so, all right, (laughs) moving on from U.S. Open. It's got me a little bit fired up. You're foaming. You're foaming at the mouth. You're ready to Uh, go. Yeah, you know, I really, I really am. I'm I'm kind of uh, salivating a little bit. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I have rabies, (laughs) you know, um, Something could be going on here. But, Maybe you know. they ought to just let Serena slap that dude and then, you know, let them figure it out. I would watch more tennis if that was the case. I feel like he would be much more respectful. Maybe that's, maybe that's what solves the problem here. You know, and to your point, maybe, <laughs> maybe we need to get a little more physical with tennis, a little, a little more contact. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe allow them to break the tennis rackets. Maybe allow them to, you know, walk over and slap that umpire beside his head. And then they get it right. And I'll watch tennis. The ratings will be up. People will talk about it more often. There you go. Problem solved. You know, last week I solved the problem with juicing up all those guys, getting them steroids, letting them run each other and getting concussions. This mm-hmm. week it's slapping tennis umpires. There we go. I think you might have – if you could fuse MMA – Once a week. With once a week I'm going to improve the sport. Yeah, if you could infuse MMA into tennis somehow, uh, I think you might have a winner. Yep. There you go. Teach him some respect. I think you. I think you really. You might have uh... <laughs> <laughs> money making ideas, Daryl. It is money making ideas. Yep. So uh, since we both have young sons, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, kind of something I, I think we should discuss here because it's it's just very interesting. And um, so you know, CTE has been um, a big thing with uh, the NFL in recent years. And so, uh, reported by CBS Sports, the Aspen Institute uh, just released another study suggesting that there should be no tackle football until high school. 
of course, Pop Warner Leagues are all the rage out there. And, you know, little guys want to get into football just as, as soon as they can after watching their favorite stars on Sunday with their dads, moms, grandparents, whoever. And, you know, it, it's it's shocking. Um, I had a father who played in the NFL. And, you know, you hear the horror stories about getting knocked around and, you know, not knowing what day it is, but you, uh, put me back in, coach. I'm ready to go. And, you know, obviously those days are long since passed, but what are your feelings on youth foot, youth tackle football and should it still be around or should we really be aggressive in making these things go away? Boy, um, I read that article today too. And I, I'm kind of torn on it. Like, I guess you don't really need tackling at such a young age. There are, you know, I played a lot of flag football and I played tackle football and I feel like, Playing flag football, you got your head beat around just as much. So I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, surely you can't have kids start playing real football in high school. Like, they've got to have a foundation. They've got to learn to do it the right way. I think a lot of it comes from, like, tackle safety. You know, using those rugby-style tackles, I think that could play a big part of it. I think technology, helmet safety, but I don't know. Like, I totally agree that the, like the adolescent, the youth brain is – completely developing still until like they're 25 right so even in high school it's dangerous i think if it's something that really makes my kid happy and you know he doesn't i would let him do it i guess i'd let him play football every it feels like i played football did you play football as a kid i mean i've never i've never played a snap or professional football that's a, a very interesting backstory so you know i come from an athletic family and I was never allowed to play football because my mother would never sign the permission slip for me to do so. Wow. Yeah. It was, you know, every year coaches would, you know, come to lunch or, you know, see me after school in, in the weight room and be like, Hey man, you really got to come play football for us this year. This is going to be great. I even had one coach go as far as to, you know, call my mom and actually have a conversation with her. And, you know, my mom's simple case was, you know, the injuries are gruesome, you know, there's not a lot of protection for these kids. And so early on, she made it very clear that I would not play football. And so I, you know, it wasn't something that I, uh, you know, begged her or desperately had to do. I had other outlets. I ran track. I played basketball. So, you know, my time was pretty full. Um, but it was just one of those things that I never really had the burning desire to do. But, um, you know, it, it, it's you see this new trend in the NFL where you're seeing guys retire after – four or five years of playing in the NFL citing, you know, personal safety or personal well-being. Well, like Trey Bryan from Nebraska, he's, what, 21 years old, and he just, quote-unquote, retired from football. You know, like, he's a college kid, and it's so hard on his body. So, I get it. I mean, it's tough and rough and beats the hell out of you. It's, I don't, yeah. Luckily for me, I'm not going to have to worry about it because my son's not going to be good at football. So, (laughs) that'll be all right. Like, you know. Well, you never know. He could be a place kicker. (laughs) <laughs> no, we were never coordinated <laughs> enough to do that kind of thing either. We use our feet for sports? No. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think you I think you see a drastic trend now. Um, you know, just a little story. Uh, my oldest, Reese, um, he's six, and so he's in the tackle football league. And the first scrimmage of the season, a couple plays into it, gets hit in his elbow. Feels funny. He comes out of the game. Doesn't play the rest of the game. Goes to the doctor, broke his arm. No way. Yeah. So, I mean, 
it, it's just kind of, you know, I kind of question it a whole lot. Um, the need for tackle football at such a young age, uh, to your credit, I think you do have to get these kids knowing the proper procedure um, in advance of high school. Um, I think, you know, when you get to high school and you're starting to tackle, if you don't know proper procedure, it's just like being a missile on that field and you're going to destroy anything that you touch. Um, Cause a lot of kids in high school are starting to come into their athletic bodies, um, starting to come into adulthood. So it, it can be very challenging to wait that long. Um, I think the educational piece is big. Um, it's, you know, my biggest problem with, you know, NFL football in general is it's such a big revenue generating machine, but you don't hear much about the education. I mean, NFL will run all their play. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. Play 60, play 30, play 90. Yeah, so yeah play 60. Yeah. Play 60 ads where they're encouraging kids to get 60 minutes of exercise. And then you also see kind of the, uh, it's kind of slid in there very secretively during some NFL games about making sure that your coaches are NFL certified. So mm -hmm. I get it, but there's not really a whole lot out there that I've been able to find. Maybe uh, our listeners can tell us if they know exactly where to go. Um, oh, a whole lot of tell you where to go. <laughs> no, really, straight down. <laughs> but um, there's not a lot of information that I could find that told me what exactly this certification entails. Do they know how to coach tackling? Are they proficient in avoiding head injuries and detecting head injuries? <laughs> Because if I'm going to have my kids play football, I want to know that these people have their best interest at hand and aren't worried about selling tickets, packing stadiums. But as you can clearly see, you know, until you get to the pro level, you're making a personal choice at that point. But between high school, college, um, you know, it, it's it's all about revenue um, for a lot of those organizations. And, you know, I kind of worry about that safety takes a backseat in some of those situations. Yeah, I'm, uh, I just have a hard time with a lot of people thinking that you need to regulate everything. Like a little common sense, a little education, a little bit more of a uh, moderate take on things usually is going to work out all right. Let's not ban the NFL. Let's not get crazy. Yeah, Let's but I think we have, to be be very, we have to be very careful because clearly we can see, Chris, common sense is not so common in America. That's true. And I just caught myself advocating being sensible on things. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I blew, I, I blew my hand up with a firework. I'm not very sensible sometimes. Yeah, I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save that firework story for a later podcast because uh, it's, nope. it's, nope. it's a good one. Nope. It's a good one. Oh, All right. Fine. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. Um, so let's see what else is happening great in the sports world. So uh, first week of NFL is in the history books. How's your fantasy team do? Did you win? Oh, hell yeah, dude. I crushed it, man. 75 to 100. Oh, I scored more points than anybody in my whole league. I had 142. Good job. Just all the good guys. Like everybody that you thought would be good. I had, him. <laughs> I had Tom. You know, I, it was a guy named Tom Brady. Have you heard of him? And then that uh, – uh, is it Tyreek Hill from uh, uh, oh, Kansas yeah, City? Man. Yeah, two touchdowns in his first two touches. He's the fastest dude in the history of the world, and he just runs past people. It's the best. I, yeah. But were you lucky enough to have Ryan Fitzmagic on your team and sitting on your bench? The Viking? No, the giant <laughs> Viking man? No, I didn't have him. 
No. I mean, the guy throws for over 400 yards. I, don't yes. know. I think it was five it, touchdowns. I think he threw four and rushed for one, maybe even. Rushed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Threw four, rushed for one. And I mean, the guy's literally a placeholder. Um, you know, Jameis Winston is obviously you, serving. How dare games. you refer to him as a placeholder? <laughs> so insulting. But, I mean, so insulting. He had five touchdowns and you call him a placeholder. All right. Wow. So let's pump the brake on Ryan Fitz magic, okay? The guy balled out. I'll give him that. Yeah. All right. It's his, the first his game. Beard. It's, his it's beard. The, First game of the season. Even the New Orleans Saints, who have drastically fallen off from the New Orleans Saints of old before, uh, you know, Bounty Gate or whatever the hell it was. Right? They're not the same New Orleans Saints, guys. I'm sorry to say it. Yes, they're good, but they are not dominating teams like they had in the past. So for Ryan Fitzpatrick to go out here on the first game of the season. There, a lot of teams had historically bad first games. Settled down. It's still the first let's, game of an NFL season. Let's go sir. through it. Let's go let's, through it, all right? Uh-huh. So, who had a bad first game? The defending Super Bowl champ, Philadelphia Eagles. That's because they suck. Um, yeah, but the Denver Broncos had a really good first game. They really played well. Hey, okay, we're not. This is not the Denver Broncos podcast, dude, okay? <laughs> so, Philadelphia Eagles have a terrible start. The Green Bay Packers have a terrible first, first game. half. Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about you know this is really even with four games of preseason, this is really the first game to work out all the kinks. Listen, what's going to impress me is if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out here against my Eagles and just lights us up, which he's not going to do because our pass rush is way better than anything New Orleans can put out on the field. But at the end of the day. Look at what he did with the Jets. There were flashes of brilliance, and then there were flashes of, dear God, please let us find a quarterback. I don't think you step away from Jameis Winston off of one game, but I think what you see in your backup is good. He has the potential. But when you get into the teeth of your schedule, when you're playing great teams, when you go up to Carolina, that's not going to be an option for him to throw for that many yards or that many touchdowns unless those teams' defenses are absolutely abysmal that day. You're hard on, you're hard on old Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're, you're not a big fan, huh? What did he do well, to you? I, he's never been consistent. Well, he's just yeah. never been consistent in the starting role. Well, and, think, and you can't you can't praise a guy just because he goes out there and throws for 400 yards one game. When you're Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers level – then we can talk about okay, you mean you're just doing fucking. Yeah, things. but you're there's just... only two guys at that level. Let Ryan Fitzpatrick live, man. He's got a nice beard. He's, you know, he's good, man. He's all right. I mean, yeah. If you, if I got to take a backup, I'm going to Fitzmagic. But yeah. again, I think we got to pump the brakes. And you know, people were talking about Jameis Winston's job being in question. Oh no, no, no! Absolutely not. But I think if he goes out there and has a repeat performance against my Eagles. Goes out there in week three, does his thing. I think maybe you have to have a conversation with Jameis like, hey, man, listen, um, team's rolling right now. Let's just give this a little bit of a chance. So, you know, I I think if he's consistent, I think maybe it changes the dynamic of the conversation. But right now, I just don't think you can buy into one game. I concur, Professor. Damn straight you concur. Damn straight. (laughs) So uh, back to your baseball, baseball quandrum, you know, what do you think is the best, best division in all baseball? 
Well, that's hard because top to bottom, there's not – I mean, I think the NL West is probably the most competitive. Now, Chris, before – Chris, NL Chris, Central. Hold on, Chris, hold on. Before we go any further, okay? Yeah. This, is a little, this is a very loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding the bait. Choose wisely. I know. Continue. I'm avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> See, now, the way it works is the Red Sox and the Yankees – they're clearly two of the better teams in Major League Baseball. But Absolutely. Like, if you look at the NL Central, the Brewers are right there. The Cards are right there. The Cubs are right there. There's three teams that are, are right in the thick of it. Also, in the NL West, there's a lot of teams in the thick of it. If the Giants just didn't go on a 94-game losing streak, they'd be in it. Like, they were in it two weeks ago before they went down the hill, but – you know, you got the Diamondbacks within, I think, four and a half after the Rockies mm-hmm. kicked their ass last couple nights. Thanks uh, for that. Yeah, it's just an update, just breaking news. Um, but the Dodgers are right in it. Like, it's it's a good division, too. Like, I don't – clearly, Yankees and the Red Sox are or something. They pay a lot of money for good baseball. So, I asked you this question, Chris. Do we need to change the format in baseball for playoffs? Mm. Because this year, you're most likely going to have – the current situations. If all holds true, the NL Central is going to get three teams in with the Cubs, the yep. Brewers, and yep. St. Louis. With the Brewers and St. Louis taking the wild card, Cubs winning the division. That, that's, that's impressive. And, I mean, these teams are 70-plus win teams, which is a good situation. Obviously, it gives great exposure to the NL Central. They beat up on each other all year long. But this is, if I'm not mistaken, since 2000. 15 this is the second time this has happened with three of these teams getting into the playoff and if you look at the other side of the coin you've got the red sox and you've got the yankees and if you look at the yankees record you could put the yankees in any other division and they would win the division by an average of seven games yeah. Do you think we need to relook at this? Because clearly, if you're looking at this, you know, the Brewers are sitting right now. I think it's uh, two, one or two games behind the Cubs. Um, and St. Louis is about four games back. Um, you know, the Yankees are clearly uh, it's less than 10 now, but they're, they're still a considerable ways back behind the Red Sox. But I mean, they're still a 90, almost a 90 win team. So, you know, I, I don't think you call these guys wild cards. I mean, these guys definitely deserve to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and the one-game playoff part of it sucks, too. That's what happened with the NL West last year. Three teams got in, and they ended up uh, – the Rockies didn't get out on the first day. That's – you know, yeah, you got to get the – you got to get all the good teams in. It would suck yeah, I think to I, have too much representation from one division in there, you know? Yeah, but I think, you know, I, I don't know what the ultimate solution here is. Maybe some of our listeners could possibly chime in if they have a, a great solution. Uh, again, if you if you're listening to our podcast, if you go over to uh, Anchor, um, you can either search that in the Apple Store, look that up online, Anchor Podcast, and then you can uh, find that there's actually a tab there which will allow you to leave us a comment. Um, or you could also follow our Twitter um, at Two Dope Podcast. That's T W O D O P E P O D C A S T, and leave us some feedback because we we really like to hear what you guys are thinking about some of this stuff because. Again, I think it's a disservice to call the Yankees a wild card team. I hate the Brewers, but it's a disservice to call the Brewers a wild card team. I mean, when I think wild card, I look at the other divisions and I think of the teams like 
you know what? You gave it a good effort. You're really close. Let's let you play for it. These teams are good. <laughs> These yeah. teams are really good. If they're in any other division, if, if the Brewers aren't in the division with the Cubs, if the Yankees aren't in the division with the Red Sox, they're killing everybody else. They're killing it. They're going to win by an average of probably five or six games, that division. So why are we penalizing these guys? And then somebody who is six, seven, eight, nine, ten games under their record is getting a guaranteed playoff spot. I just don't I don't think it's right in this day and age of baseball. I think they gotta switch it up. I agree. You agree? Yep. I'm with you on this one. Yeah, I think I better put down the Bud Light. Speaking of Bud Light, have you seen have you seen the new ads? There's uh, this Bud Light, and um, I, I'm probably going to screw this up, Chris. So correct me if you know what I'm, the hell I'm talking about. Um, I think it's well, maybe it's Coors too. But there's one of these beers now is is pushing uh, a beer that is actually um, stored in whiskey barrels. Mm, that sounds familiar to me, but I'm not uh, I'm not able to tell you which one it is. Yeah, I can't. I've heard of it. So what do you think about this? Putting more booze in your booze. You know me. I'm all for that. Yeah, I You think give I... me a margarita, you turn a Corona upside down, and I'm good. <laughs> you give me a Budweiser with a little, uh, you know, a little shot of Jack Daniels next to it, and I'm good. More alcohol in alcohol, all for it. Completely support it. Uh, I, I'm really anxious to try this. I got to find it. But uh, if it's Coors, I'm definitely going to turn my head the other way as I vomit. But God, who drinks Coors? I, I, I seriously don't know who drinks Coors besides NASCAR fans. And I, I'm not saying that as a slam, <laughs> as a black man to NASCAR-loving white America. I'm just saying that that's all I know in my upbringing is NASCAR people drink Coors. Huh. I guess I've never observed that. I, <laughs> I thought it was Bush. But who knows? Well, you know, Bush is Bush. Bush. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the NBA is not sponsored by uh, Colt 45 and St. Ives, so let me stop there. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably uh, – I'm going to go to bed, Daryl, so I'm going to have to disengage from this podcast, sir. <laughs> it's late here, and I have an early morning. Well, you know, you Colorado folks, wake up, eat some Rocky Mountain oysters. And I'm waking up. I'm waking up and going for a run tomorrow morning. I'm going to try this, so I'll let you know how that goes next week. I might be able to move by then again. Oh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, you're an old man. Take it easy. Don't try to, you know, do. I'm going to do. No, I'm going to stretch and stuff first. I'm going to do the whole thing. So, I'll let you know. All right, well, guys, thank you very much for joining us for episode two. Um, we really appreciate your support, guys. Uh, again, please leave us any feedback. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at Two Dope Podcast. That's Two Dope, T W O D O P E C. Or excuse me, P O D C A S T E. Um, again, we'd love to hear from you guys here what you're thinking about the podcast, and uh, we'll keep this rolling. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Um, I've been Daryl. This has been Chris, and this is Two Dope Podcast. We'll see you next week. Adios. Later. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for listening to Two Dope Brothers on a Podcast. If you like our podcast, please feel free to leave us a comment and let us know how we're doing, or give us some ideas for future upcoming shows. If you don't like it, well, 
Fuck you. Leave a comment anyway.